Welcome back to another edition of Scoreline Extra. Coming up on the show today, we're going to be talking all things golf, greyhound racing, boxing, hockey, rugby and lots, lots more. Actor and director Tony Kelly to tell us all about the upcoming movie, The Hurler. Yeah, Shane, absolutely. Um, I was I was living in New York, uh, I think it was 2010, and uh, I came home to renew my visa at the time, and uh, I just kind of, uh, I kind of knew that like this was my last student visa I was going to have, and what was I going to do, and I, I kind of saw a couple of things uh, around Waterford and, and Ireland, and it was a lot of GA players just doing certain behaviours and stuff like that, and I went, I wonder if there's something in this. And when I went back to New York, I kind of worked on this character uh, that became Gar Campion. And um, when I, I, I suppose then I, I eventually moved back from North America and all that kind of stuff. I'd done a, I'd done a stand-up tour in Canada and New York and some, some European dates. And uh, I was back here in Waterford then with kind of nothing to do. And um, yeah, just kind of, I'd heard this, this web series world being thrown around in, in New York at the time. And it, it really hadn't made its way over this side of the pond yet. And, and yeah, I found someone in Waterford who wanted the camera and, and one mic, and we uh, we ended up making the hurler, uh, the web series, and, and it just ended up taking off from there, Shane, really. So from humble beginnings to a feature film, just the, the, the Irish kind of comedic sense tends to travel very well when you're looking at an international audience. So if you're going to do your stand-up routines, you might have a bit of an Irish aspect that people can somewhat relate to because it does seem almost foreign, but at the same time, it is always relatable as well. So bringing something like hurling, we've seen American audiences looking at hurling, say, on the likes of YouTube and doing reaction videos. They're totally blown away by it. So for your web series initially, did you find that the reception from that international audience was something that was received quite well yeah Shane it was it was actually as big if not bigger in, in the States than, than it was here in Ireland to be honest um, like when it, it, it originally came out in 2013 but it kind of got a new lease of life again in 2015 I, I won this award in a, in Universal Studios in Hollywood for it there's um, it used to be a thing called LA Web Fest uh, they used to call it the Web Series Oscars and uh, I was nominated for um, Outstanding Lead Actor in a comedy series over there and flew over kind of thinking that this is going to be a joke that I, you know, I'm coming over from Waterford nominated for this big award in Hollywood and uh, actually ended up winning the award which was pretty shocking. Wow. And yeah, and it kind of gave, it kind of gave it a new lease of life again and, and from there like the, the, a couple of development deals with, with some TV, some certain TV stations in this country uh, came up and, and didn't work out and I, and I actually ended up kind of almost doing a deal with, a, with quite a well-known um, actor, comedic actor in the States to, to do a version of it as well. Uh, but as it ended up, kind of, I would have had to hand over the rights to Gar and the hurler and everything to this guy. And I ended up kind of saying no at the last minute and, and backing myself in the hope that it would eventually, what, what, what would happen is what's happening on Monday with us, you know? Well, speaking of handing over something to somebody else, I imagine Gar being your creation, you've almost been living with him now for, for 10 years. No doubt he's constantly on your mind. And the constant rejection is something that artists generally always go through, but it's how they persevere. So you came away from the web series and started being Gar on stage. You had a one-man show down in Waterford just before the pandemic Doing that in front of an Irish audience, did you get a good, great reception, as good of a reception as you would have in the States? 
I can't speak for what would have happened in the States. Uh, the, the plan was to do an off-Broadway run at the end of 2020, Shane. Uh, but... Uh, getting getting onto the stage with Gar literally four days, I think it was before COVID hit, was was an amazing experience. You know, um, I was as you know, I was in the middle of filming uh, the Taylor Billy O.C. the movie I did with you guys at the same time as I was rehearsing for Gar uh, or for the hurler, and it was a bit of a you know it was a bit of a mind warp doing a drama during the day where I was playing a not so savoury character and then playing this comedic guy <laughs> at night or vice versa. You know, so. But yeah, like the, the response to the play was 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 amazing, and look, we had big plans for the play. The idea was that we were doing a national tour. I was going to do the Edinburgh Festival in August of 2020, and as I said, an off-Broadway run in the in the Theatre 80 at St Mark's uh, in the East Village uh, in November of 2020. But obviously, that all went away with with COVID. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I suppose properly. The original idea was the was a TV series or a movie, and then when I was getting frustrated with the not so creative types that run the creative industry. Um, I, I took it to the stage to try and look at an alternative way of selling the the movie, and and it's ironically it has actually turned out that way. It just took a little bit of a detour. Yeah, it's after kind of coming full circle almost. You're going to get yeah. back in front of the camera now with Gar. That process in itself, you had to rejig a lot of things. It sounds like because you were on, you went from the camera, you went to the stage, and now you're going back to the camera. So you've had two years during the whole pandemic to kind of conceptualize this and come up with it. How have you found uh, support behind that? Making a movie is no easy deal. How did you find the, the people being receptive to it down in Waterford? Yeah, the support down here in Waterford is, is absolutely amazing for us. Um, the, the leap from camera to stage was, I suppose, in some ways difficult, in some ways not, because I've been playing golf for about 10 years now, so I can kind of flip in and out of them. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that was the kind of what it was. Uh, the biggest thing was the original script was to take place in America and in Ireland. So there was a rewrite that was needed there, but um, there was there was some American friends of mine in the, in the business who had read the, the American version of the script, and actually I only got some feedback this week from them to say it actually works a lot better all being contained in Ireland. So, and, and I actually tend to agree, but down here, the support has been amazing, Shane. You know, um, we all got, we, I got some private investment down here from Waterford uh, to, to make this movie. And obviously, teaming up with yourselves at Dice Men Productions as well. And the, the local hotels here, Azuri, the sports brand, uh, have, have made our jerseys for us and they donated them. It, it's just been amazing and kind of overwhelming, actually, the support. And it, it must seem then almost worthwhile to see this creation because people that work in the industry, like I, I look back at my humble begins in radio not so long ago and a lot of time you think, oh, it's not going to happen. This isn't going to happen. But now you're on the cusp of something that hasn't been done before in terms of having a, a, a comedy movie set around the world of Hurling. There just must be an incredible incite, excitement within you knowing that this creation that you made so long ago and all the steps that you've taken in between, you've been on Netflix shows like The Alienist, you've done some tremendous things that it is now all coming to a film that you've written, that you're going to direct, that you're going to be the lead actor. There must be incredible incitement in there. There is. Yeah, I suppose, I don't think I'm quite there yet because I think once we're, once we're standing on set and, and we're about to roll, uh, roll film for the first time, I think maybe the excitement will take over then, but... Um, I've been around the blockchain, you know, I've been in the business about 12 years, I've been through a lot of different things and, you know, I've, I've been the lead in a feature film before and 
you know, that didn't pan out how I wanted it to. Now, I don't, I don't believe there's a parallel between the horror and that movie, but, you know, um, yeah, I, it, there's a trepidatious excitement, I suppose, you know. Would your excitement be, like, when you're creating something, the, the, the process in itself, I always find just such a journey. But when you're on this process now, you've after getting some quite big names attached to it, yeah. knowing that they believe in your vision and knowing that they believe in what you're going to create, that must lend itself to a bit of kind of otherworldly experiences within your head. Yeah, that, that's, that's what's meant the most to me so far, Shane, to be honest with you, is when people who are your peers are people who you draw inspiration from, you look up to. When, when those people are coming on board and they, you know, they're just reading your script and want to be a part of it, that, that's what's blown me away and that's what's made it all worthwhile so far. Like, like when John Kenny, uh, you know, of Unbelievable fame and, and, and many other things, you know, um, my, my agent reached out to John to ask him would he have any interest and he, and he read, the, read the script and we've been working together since on, on this role, you know, and that, that's blown me away. You know, even p- people like David McSavage and, and I could name anyone in the cast chain, you know what I mean, who, who's read the script and wants to do it because of the script. It's, it, that, that to me is what's already made it worthwhile. Yeah, I was just, I was such a fan of the Savage Eye back in the day and it, it, it's incredibly exciting just to, to see him back on the screen. From a Kilkenny perspective, the likes of Brendan Corcoran, uh, just a, a, a theatre legend here, a true tes- thespian in every sense of the word and John Martin coming off the tremendous success of his story, Dead Still. These are all people that are going to be involved as well. Elva Thrill, yeah. fresh off the set of Jurassic World. There's a lot that has gone into it and yeah. Monday now, it's all going to come to a head how are you expecting the, a shoot to go they can be quite strenuous especially for someone who is an actor but also now you're going to be directing it as well so it's going to be a completely different experience for you I'd imagine yeah I've, I've done that as you know Shane on a, on a small, much smaller level before um, a couple of times um, but to be honest with you for me it's about surrounding myself with a good crew like yourselves you know yourself and the rest of the lads at Dicemen and Shane Mulrennan a producer uh, and I, I, I have full faith in you guys and in the cast. And to be honest with you, uh, I, I'm not worried about that in the things because of because of all you. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on your, your show right now. But uh, I know that the, the quality of people around me is amazing. So I really only have to worry about me, me being up to scratch. That's all. Well, Tony, it is incredibly exciting. Thanks very much for taking time out of what no doubt is a very busy schedule. What happens when all this is done, when all this is edited, before we go? Are we going to be seeing you up there at the Oscars defending Chris Rock or anything like that? (laughs) I think someone needs to defend poor Will Smith. (laughs) Uh, And I don't mean from the Oscars incident, if you know what I mean. But, um, no, I I mean, look, the the, the aim, obviously, Shane, as as you know, is, you know, we've got a lot of great people behind this, behind the camera, in front of the camera and even in our post-production people that we have in New York as you know you know and the, the aim certainly is to try is the very top of this you know I don't think comedies really go for Oscars but uh, we you know I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be pushing for a cinema release a Netflix release and you know all that kind of stuff so please ask Joe Sheehan was back to tell us all about everything that was happening on the Greyhound scene
Over the past year, we've been talking a lot about greyhounds and we've been getting reports, as I like to say, live from Dubai. Yes, Joe Sheen over in Dubai, keeping up to date with everything happening in the greyhound world. He's been able to tell us all the things in Kilkenny, he's been able to tell us all the things in Shelburne and beyond. He'll be talking about Limerick as well, but he's not going to be live from Dubai. No, he's going to be here right now. He's back on the Emerald Isle and as they say, there's no show like a Joe show. Joe Sheen joins me. Joe, how are you doing, sir? Oh, what a fantastic introduction, Shane. Brilliant. You're, 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 definitely climbing, you're definitely climbing the ranks in my eyes with an in- introduction like that. We're doing very, very well. Glad to be back in Ireland just here for the week. We're on school holidays over, so it's great to be back. And it's great to be live from Ireland this time for KCLR. Yeah, I'm delighted to get to speak to you. We always have a, uh, had a great laugh when before you moved over to the Arab Emirates, but you're so mad to keep up to date on everything that is happening in the Greyhound world. We love your contributions here at KCLR and a lot of people do online as well. So, speaking of contributions, tell us everything that's going on because it's getting a busy week. Yeah, very, very busy week in the Greyhound World Chain. There's so much happening. As I said to you before before I came on air, it's hard to keep in touch. It's hard to keep up with everything that's happening. So last night in Kilkenny, from a local point of view, we had the Blackstone Kennels A2 competition. The quarterfinals happened last night. Tonight in Shelburne Park, we have the Open 600-yard final. 15,000 euro to winner. It's a whopping price hunt. And we also have the quarterfinals of the Shelburne Puppy Oaks. Loads of local interest in both of those. And down in my own neck of the woods, down in Limerick, the home of the All-Ireland champions, might I add. Will you stop? <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to kick Doctor's radio station if I keep bumping up Limerick. <laughs> we, have, we have the Conan Annie Kirby Memorial. So this is for a juvenile Greyhounds chain and it's a 150,000 euro prize money. It's sponsored by JP McManus and his wife Noreen. It's a fantastic, it's actually the richest juvenile race on the planet and we have it down here in Limerick and there's loads of local interest in that. So it's fantastic to see the local runners doing so well across the country in Shelburne Park, Kilkenny and down here in Limerick, everywhere. The Kilkenny Carlow Brigade, they're a strong contingent and they're hard to beat. Speaking of the Con and Annie Kirby Memorial, that's kind of what started this time last year when we kind of started getting more invested in the Greyhound world and what a tremendous ride that we were all brought on in that one. This year now, you said the quarterfinals going ahead tonight. What can people expect? Yeah, absolutely. As I said, it, it's such a fantastic competition. I mean, it's a, it's a whopping prize money. And the great thing about it is people come from all over the country, even Ireland and the UK, and further afield for this competition in Limerick. But we'll go through the quarterfinals, and I guess, from a local perspective. In the first quarter final, Mert Lahey, a man whose name has been mentioned so many times on the show, he has a very, very strong runner in this one. Droopy's nice one. She runs from trap four in the first quarter final, of course. Mert Lahey from Conaghy, of course, local, had such a good winner last week 28 33 and 28 39, its last two wins. And Droopy's nice one is one of the leading favourites for this year's competition. It would be wonderful to see a local success. Not not too often Kilkenny has success down here in Limerick, so we won't be good <laughs> if Mert Lahey was to go all the way. But she runs from track one in the first quarter final it's quite a tough heat we have Crafty Kokoro in there and also the Ball Freddies in Trap Street but me personally I'm putting my neck on the line we're going all out for the Kilkenny one to have success in Limerick tonight Droopy's nice one Trap 4 in the first quarter final in tonight's Conan Annie Kirby Memorial in Limerick in the second one we have Moon Coin Trainer. He has Trap 5 in this one called Kildare. Has been running well over the last number of weeks, finished second and third. Runs from Trap 5, the middle seed. It's quite a tough feat. He has Ballymore border on its inside in 
trap four for Owen McKenna, who won in 28-35 last week, and Droopy's Edison for Robert Gleeson, who won this competition a number of years ago with Toolmaker Josie, so quite a tough heat. But Kildare could qualify tonight, and Mooncoin trainer Peter Cronin is a very, very shrewd operator indeed. So we're hoping that one can make it through to next week's semi-finals. As they seek out, as we said, €150,000 prize money. It's whopping, whopping prize money. In the third quarter final then, Mooncoin trainer Peter Cronin has Emily Jett from Trap 1. The inside draw could play to its advantage in this one. And also, the Connie man, Mert Lahey, has stories actually running in Trap 6 in the same quarter final of the Connie Kirby Memorial, of course, for owner Gavin O'Mahony, who is a local sponsor at our track in Kilkenny Ground Stadium. So it'll be great to see them progress through to next week's semi final. Probably has it all to do from the stripes of Trap Six, but is a strong runner and could improve a couple of lengths and hopefully make it through to next week's semi final. Then, last but not least, in the fourth quarter final, we have Swords Rex, who won last week in 28 20, is 5 to 1 joint favourite for the competition and will be, I guess, leading favourite to win tonight from the inside draw of Trap 1 but all in all it's a fascinating competition this year Shane's cracking action and as we said so many strong local contenders are really hoping that they can have success and get on to next week's semi-final hopefully Speaking of success last year Marco Donovan from Tip uh, trained Stone Park Leo to, to victory in the richest juvenile greyhound race on the planet as you alluded to there does he have anything going this year? Uh, yeah he had, a, he had a number of runners actually at the start of the competition so his he actually had cool of any half that got knocked out last week. So his father is uh, back training that one, and they're a very very strong greyhound family. And they came in here with str- they came in here with quite a strong hand in this year's kind of Eddie Kirby. But unfortunately, things didn't go their way, and they don't have any runners remaining. So that just goes to show you, you know, last year you're up on cloud nine winning the kind of Eddie Kirby. This year they came with a strong hand and don't have anything left at quarter final stage. But it just goes to show you that. It's a very, very tough competition and that's why it makes it all the more glorious to get it to this far. And even for the local runners who have got to the quarterfinals, it's a phenomenal achievement and we're just really, really hoping that they can go a long, long way. That's the nature of sport. Excuse the pun, but tracking back to Kilkenny there last night, uh, was there an 11 race card, I believe, going on? Yeah, 11 race card and the highlight of that was the Blackstone Kennels A2 race, so kindly sponsored by Paddy Sinnott. So we'll take you through. So there was four quarterfinals last night. Monagor Bistro won in 28.94 for owner-trainer Sean Coogan. He won the first quarterfinal. Lou Jano was back in second for Mark Lahey and Courtney Girl was back in third. In the second quarterfinal, Apex Hunter won in 29.05 at the price of 3 to 1 by three quarters of a length to Rowler's Road. And back in third was Malvern Avenue for Larry Ellard, who finished quite strongly to claim third spot. So those three will progress through the next week's semi final. In the third quarter final, here, Larry won in 28. 96 for the Kings of Wicklow Syndicate trained by a man whose name has been mentioned many times on the show Thomas Buggy from County Carlow he had a double last night in this sweepstake he won the fourth quarterfinal as well with Boo the Best in a time in 29-18 for Eagle Ballon Hill Syndicate so two successful syndicates last night it's great to see syndicates winning in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium because it's a fantastic way of getting involved in the sport so well done to them and they all match on through to next week's semi-finals of the Blackstone Kennels a2, A3 competition and so much happening in Kilkenny. We have the champion unraced coming up €10,000 to the winner. We also had an announcement during the week that Boyle Sports is sponsoring the A3 Bitch Stake. That will start on the 22nd of July. We'll also have the TP Weedick Stairs competition coming up. There's so much happening in Kilkenny. Great, great to see. And it's great to see the crowds coming back in their droves in the aftermath of the COVID era of restriction chains. Really, really wonderful to see. 
I'd imagine that a lot will be at Shelburne now tonight. Will there be much uh, Carlo and Kilkenny interest? Absolutely. As we said, the Open 600-yard final and a man who has won this competition many times, Paul Hennessy. He has Hello Hammond for Jerry and Miriam Meany, running from Trap Tree in the Open 600-yard final. A total prize fund of €26,000, €15,000 to the winner. And Paul Hennessy, not only is he a top-class greyhound trainer, he has had success in the Cheltenham Festival as well. He won last year with Heaven Help Us, so he trains dogs, he trains horses. He's a very talented individual. And Hello Hammond has a massive chance from... Trap tree one last week semi final thirty two oh four so so impressively so we're hoping that he can put in a very good chip tonight also in trap one in the open six hundred final in Shelburne Kilkenny Santi for Brian Hickey of County Kilkenny finished third last week has the inside draw of trap number one so should have a big big chance in that one so so much local interest it's really really wonderful to see we also have the Shelburne the Suncraft Festival Puppy Oaks tonight in Shelburne Park and a very, very well-named greyhound running here, Sober Regrets, running from Trap 6 in the quarter, first quarter final. We also have in the fourth quarter final, Trap 1, Carlo B and also Bally Bach Bella. Sounds absolutely mental. Is there a way to keep up today with everything that's happening? Talking Dogs, if you go on to Greyhound Racing Ireland website, you can go on to Talking Dogs you can keep up to action on if you click on to Race Card and talk, uh, click on Talking Dogs you'll get all the news bulletins there there's so much happening you'll get all the results in Shelburne in Limerick in Kilkenny there's so much happening in the Greyhound Racing World it's really great to see everything is back in full swing and uh, I guess I guess I've kind of stopped the tips now at this stage because if people were backing all my tips, they'd be very very broke. With the price of petrol, we can't we we can't afford to keep having dodgy and losing tips here. So I better I better put the put the tips away for a while, Shane. What do you reckon? Well, you're speaking about people being broke. You look like you're living some life over in Dubai. You're at the races, and it's just fascinating to follow you online and see all that you're doing. But keeping up to date with the grounds is no easy feat as well. So kudos to you, sir. Well, it's great. I guess there's one of the massive advantages of social media is being able to tap in to all the social media sites. So you've Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium on Facebook, on Twitter. You've Limerick Greyhound Stadium, Shelburne. All the stadiums have Twitter pages and social media pages. We're able to watch all the action live and have bets on Barking Buzz app. You can watch all the results. You can watch all the replays and the videos on the Greyhound Racing Ireland site. So if it was 10 or 15 years ago, I guess it'd be too hard to leave because I couldn't keep up to date because probably lack of social media and lack of being able to watch what was going on. But these days, it's, it's a lot easier to kick in and stay in touch with the action. And as well with the phones, it's great to be able to keep in contact with people back at home. Exactly. We would, it would have cost us too much to call you over in Dubai before. <laughs> hey, hey, what, about, what about Greyhound Racing in Dubai? Is that a thing over there? I've been trying to figure it out. I've I've heard I've heard a few stories that it that it does that it does happen. They, they, Salukis are quite popular over there, but the Arabs are mad into anything that races horses, camels, and I'm sure there's some. I'm I'm trying to tap into that at the moment. I'm sure if if I can't find it, no one will. But um, I'm sure I've I've heard that there is a bit of greyhound racing over there. So I must I must tap into it more and see and see what's happening down in uh, down in Dubai. I'm sure I'll get there at some stage. We've had various people on talking about TEA over in the Middle East as well. Is that something that you've been able to take part in or that you've witnessed over there? Absolutely Shane and it makes me see the value of the GA. It's, it's such a wonderful as Irish people are very blessed to have it because I, I did a summer in Chicago and now as I said I'm living out in Dubai at the moment and it's wonderful to have that social network from going to GA tournaments even my, my own sister lives in Dubai and her, her three kids they play GA so going off to underage tournaments playing matches ourselves getting to meet people from all over the country it's wonderful 
and I think it's, it's a rare thing and I think we should definitely appreciate it as much as possible because it's fantastic we're so so lucky to have it anywhere you go in the world to be able to have the, the, G, the GA happening the hurling and football it's wonderful and it's such an easy way to meet people faster and I guess we, we are lucky and blessed to have it so yeah it's alive it's well it's kicking the, the weather has gone to about 35-36 degrees so it's kind of winding down now this time of year but it'll be back in action in the latter half of the year but yeah it's really really fantastic to be part of over there for sure yeah, sport is a universal language. Joe, as always, it's a pleasure. Are you back in Dubai now next week? Back tonight, flying, well, flying tonight, five o'clock in the morning, so hopefully we'll save flight and we'll be we'll be contacting you from live from the desert next week, for the help of God. <laughs> and no doubt you'll have your airport pint up on Instagram as well. Joe, it's a pleasure as always, sir. Shane, thanks a million. To all your wonderful listeners, I've, it's actually great to be back on live for once in a while. It's fantastic to be back in action. And thanks for having me on and thanks for listening to my dodgy tips week in, week out. Alice McGarry of Kilkenny Hockey Club also joined us on Scoreline to tell us about the three women's finals that would be taking place this weekend. Thanks a million, Shane. I'm really delighted with the opportunity to come in and chat about the big day tomorrow and the Kilkenny Ladies Hockey Club. It is such a big day as well. Are you feeling how big it is how monumental of an occasion is this well it really is Shane I I actually can't express like what a huge occasion it is for the club a huge occasion for women in sport to have three ladies teams participating on the big stage that is Three Rock Rovers in Dublin tomorrow Um, I suppose I've been involved in the club for many years myself and it's it's certainly the biggest occasion I've seen in the club to date Um, so look at yeah we're all really really excited about it um, like so much work has gone on, I suppose, behind the scenes since we started back training at the end of August last year. Um, so look, we're delighted for all the players, for our coaches, the management, um, for our supporters and for our families. So I'm sure we'll all be making the trip up to Dublin tomorrow. I'm sure they certainly will be. Um, in terms of having three teams in a final, it's a huge, huge day, no doubt. But preparations all have to come into fact you have to have training times for all different uh, teams you have to have a lot of kind of admin going on in the background as well but in general how have preparations been for the three finals this week? Yeah well it's what all the hard work has been put in since we went back training I suppose at the end of August last year Um so look, like I said, a, a lot of hard work has gone in since then. I suppose in the last week or so, I suppose, look, while not losing our focus, we really try to enjoy um, the last week and the whole build up because I suppose it, it, we really want to enjoy the occasion as well. Um, look, I, I suppose, like I said, without losing our focus, I know the, the first took advantage of doing some video analysis sessions during the week. Um, and I suppose the teams in general maybe just worked on things like set pieces um, and the all-important one-on-one shuttles, which, right. you know, I suppose if the games go to a draw, there's no extra time, it goes straight to one-on-one shuttles. So I suppose they were the type of things we were working on during the week. Um, like I said, you know, and we, we really just put a focus on, I suppose, enjoying the last week and the big build-up to Sunday as well. Video analysis as well, that's it's quite in-depth, it sounds. But if we take it team by team, first of all, the thirds, they're out first. Mm-hmm. They're out at half 11. What has their run to the final been like? 
Um, yeah, I suppose if you look at their league performance, they played um, 15 games in the league. You know, they won five, uh, drew four and they, they lost six games. So they certainly haven't had an easy time of it this year. But that's the magic of the cup though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I suppose, look, a cup is different. Um, like if I go back as far as their quarterfinal, they come up against an ace third, who in my opinion would have been strong contenders for the title this year. Um it was a two-all draw and it went to one-on-one shuttles and Kilkenny managed to, to secure the win um, on that day. All the practice and preparations exactly. of the shuttles going in exactly. handy there. Um, then last weekend they played their semi-final match up against Our Ladies Tourneur. I actually went up to the match myself. Um, they went 2-0 down uh, our ladies here in York were a very experienced team. Um, it was, I suppose, a much more physical game than maybe the girls would have been used to um, in their other matches on the lead up to the semi-final. Um, they went 2-0 down and they came back to 3-2 and our ladies secured a third goal in the last minute of the game. It was a, a really exciting match and again went to one-on-one shuttles with Kilkenny securing the win. So, And that's great yeah. because like when... You, you go 3-2 and you make that comeback and then to have something devastating like that that can really knock your confidence and then you have the shuttles then after that so uh, fair juice to been able to keep their composure for that Yeah absolutely and look believe me it's not an easy thing to do is to stand up and take a one-on-one shuttle you have 8 seconds to score that magic goal but look at lucky enough on the day we had a couple of people who stood up and you know and were able to score the goals on the day so it was fantastic And Wicklow have you come up against them this season already? Or? Yeah they actually our thirds played them in their last league match only uh, actually last Saturday um, and it was they, they lost 1-0 but like I said that was the league this is a cup final and look anything can happen on cup day so look they're really hoping to secure the result you're hustling them lulling <laughs> them into a false sense of security <laughs> exactly Shane that's it yeah. uh, moving on to the seconds they play uh, just a small bit later at quarter past two mm-hmm. their form has been strong on this run to the final hasn't it yeah absolutely I play on the second team myself we've, we've and no wonder so the form has been strong <laughs> we've, um, we've, we've won our 16 league matches um, this year so again look we've had a fantastic run in the in the league but again look cup is cup um, and anything can happen in, in a cup match Would you be um, coming into this as favourites then now considering your, your run? Look I suppose we, pro- we probably are given that we've beaten look Port Ran are our opposition in, in, in the cup um, we've beaten them twice this year but they certainly haven't been easy games um, we, met, we actually met them in uh, the league only two weeks ago um, and it was a, a 3-1 a 3-1 win for Kilkenny but having said that we scored all our three uh, goals in the first quarter of the match we didn't score for the remaining three quarters of the game and Portran did get their goal in the second half so look at Portran probably got off to a slower start than Kilkenny so that's something that we have to be mindful of I suppose going into the final And it's an interesting dynamic because the, the thirds didn't have a great league run the seconds certainly have so you could argue that the thirds might be underdogs whereas the seconds are favourites mm. so it's a, a mad dynamic dynamic to have within the same club well yeah, absolutely yeah absolutely and like I said anything can happen in, in cup matches you find you know while you might have beaten teams well in the league you know when it comes to a cup match then anything can happen somebody can have a bad day somebody you know you can have an injury decisions can go for you decisions can go against you so look at yeah cup matches are certainly that bit different than the league and hopefully then come full time at half four we'll have a treble of Kilkenny victories <laughs> Absolutely. but uh, mm. they've also had a strong semi-final shown they'll be quite confident I'd imagine coming in yeah again like our, our first have had a fantastic league season um, they've played 14 games won 12 drew one and we're unfortunate to, to, to lose one game um, but still like an absolutely fantastic performance um, they came up against a very strong Setonians team in their quarter final and secured um, a 1-0 win there um, the semi-final then was against three 
Rock Rovers um, a couple of weeks back. I was at that match myself. Horrendous conditions up in Dublin. Wind and the rain. Um, and Kilkenny found it very hard to score that day but we're very lucky to come away with a with a 2-0 win. So look, the matches have all been very tight. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, they're playing Scurries now in the final on on Sunday and, and again, like I said, you know, anything can happen in finals and while they've beaten them in the league um, we, they certainly won't be complacent going into a cup final It's going to be tough coming away with, with, with three final victories no doubt about it On, obviously if it happens it'll be probably one of the biggest occasions within the club ever does it put pressure on the third though to kind of set that tone and get that victory and then if they do the seconds as well, will you be feeling that pressure to have that treble on, on, on your mind? Well, look, absolutely. Everyone wants to win. And like I said, you know, we're all going up there to win. We're, we're certainly not going there to make up numbers. All the three teams are very focused on what they want to do on the day. Um, like, as I said, like unbelievable preparation, I suppose, has gone into this since the beginning of the season. Um, you know, we're we're coming out of a year maybe where, you know, on the back of COVID that not much hockey happened in the previous season. Yeah. So I suppose, you know, everybody really wanted um, the club to succeed this year. Was the club imp- impacted much? Because we know we've been talking to various different clubs and particularly minority sports, not so like once outside of mm. the realm of soccer, yeah. GEA and rugby, uh, where funding mightn't be as easy to come by and stuff. Financially, it was, was there a severe impact of COVID? Well, yeah, I suppose, you know, we've been very lucky this year where we've had some fantastic sponsors. Um, Taxback Group have been very good to the club. Um, MGM Construction, uh, Martin Murphy. Um, so look, at you know, we, we're really lucky with the sponsors we've had this year. But certainly, yeah, like a lot of, lot of funding comes from, I suppose, um, members playing their, you know, paying their contributions every year, their membership fees. So I suppose obviously in a year where um, the season was obviously decimated due to COVID, um, it wasn't ideal financially, certainly, yeah. yeah. But there must be a strong core at the club to have three teams there must mm. be this huge want to continue to play and I, I'd imagine that the desire to come back and play has tremendously c- contributed to mm. these three finals actually going ahead for Kilkenny Yeah absolutely I suppose a couple of years back there was real momentum in ladies hockey at the back of the Irish women's team getting the silver medal in the World yeah. Cup and like we really saw um, momentum grow then I suppose then, you know, a year later we were into COVID. Um, but look, we really focused on, on, I suppose, keeping the drive for hockey. Like, we're really lucky. We've two fantastic hockey schools in Kilkenny, in Loretto and Kilkenny College. Yeah. Um, we Recently also, had people over in the World Cup abs- there. We're, yeah, we're talking about it off air. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, like, we've a fantastic, I suppose, junior section of our club as well that's run by um, Donald Cadigan. There's over 400, I suppose, members oh, wow. in the junior club. Yeah, and I believe... Uh, and here's me saying a minority sport yeah. what am I talking about and I believe there's a long waiting list to come in as well so I suppose like we do focus a lot on the progression I suppose from the junior section up to senior hockey um, and then I said we're very lucky that we have a lot of the school girls coming out from um from Loretto and Kilkenny College so we've a real mix we have like people I suppose like myself who are involved in the club for many years but it's great to see the younger players coming through as well And with, with, with the waiting list and we, we, we know for, for the younger players you know it, it can be difficult for someone to see such tremendous mm. success happening in Kilkenny and being on the waiting list to try and become part of that from an adult perspective what's it like to, to get involved can you get involved from a novice level with the club Oh absolutely I mean 
I suppose we're, we're really, I suppose the aim of us to be all inclusive, I suppose in the ladies section, I mean, I mean, you're looking at our first, they're playing in Division 1 in Leinster, which is a fantastic achievement, it's top level hockey. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose you're looking at the thirds where you have a real mix of people, like I said, you have some school girls who are coming out for the first time to get experience playing senior hockey, then you have girls who maybe played hockey in school, um, might have, you know, gone off to college, they're now back in Kilkenny and they're looking to get involved again. And then you have people who have just coming out um, to play socially because they actually want to meet people so like you have a real mix I suppose of, of the levels I suppose within the three teams um, and look at there's a place for everybody really yeah well we wish you nothing but the best of luck thanks a million for Shane. the third teams the second team of which you're a part of and the the first team is there a way to follow along the results and stuff tomorrow absolutely um, our Facebook page Kilkenny Ladies Hockey Club and our Instagram page yeah yeah. and that's the best way maybe to even contact if you have an interest or absolutely. getting involved in yeah. any way yes yeah yeah. Well, Alice, thank you very much. Thanks, Jane. Thanks uh, a million. You've been yeah. absolutely fantastic to come on and bestow us with the knowledge of everything that's happening within Kilkenny Hockey Club. Just before we uh, say goodbye, Carlo Hockey Club, they w- which were bested on the way, were they from uh, the seconds? The seconds ended up uh, defeating Carlo to advance to the final. Uh, what, what's hockey like in Carlo? Would you be keeping up to date much with that there? Yeah, absolutely. Like I would know, I suppose I know a lot of the girls myself that play in Carlo. Some I suppose the girls that are involved for a long number of years, they have a great hockey school down in Carlo as well in Leo's. Um, they don't have an AstroTurf pitch. I mean, all the, the hockey now is played on AstroTurf pitches. So they would play their home matches and they train in Loretto here in Kilkenny. But I understand now that they've actually got funding um, to get an AstroTurf pitch in Leo's school in Carlo, which will be fantastic for them and it'll make the club a lot more attractive, I suppose as well so yeah yeah Tolo Rugby women's head coach Paul Canavan also joined us on Scoreline to tell us about his site's Paul Flood Cup semi-final meeting with Mullingar Joining me now on the line is the Tullow Rugby Women's Head Coach Paul Canavan who's chatting about his side's Paul Flood Cup semi-final meeting with Mullingar tomorrow. Paul, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. No problem, thanks for having me. How much are the team looking forward to tomorrow's game? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's a lot coming to the business end of the season, obviously, being in the semi-final. We were got a bit slow starting the start of the year. We had started off probably should have bet railway at the start of the year. They were probably the strongest they won the league, they were the strongest side in it. Um you know, so like it's it's we're we're going well. We were on the good side of the draw at the moment. Uh, big win last week for us against Baron Hall. They were we were kinda of close to them in our division. So hopefully you now coming into tomorrow, good training session last night, so hopefully that puts us in good stead for tomorrow to be Nice test going to Mullingar, Tullow and Mullingar over the years have had some ding dong battles, so hopefully we come out on the right side of it tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have a look back on that Barn Hall game in, in just a second and we'll look forward to that uh, Mullingar game. You mentioned the ding dong battles between the two sides. Are you well aware of the challenge that they pose? Uh, yeah, like, they're, like they, they play some decent rugby, like, you know, they're, they're a good side. Like, when the, the women's team in Tullow were kind of. Starting off, I suppose, I, I, like I remember fondly, uh, a nil-nil-nil final that went to penalty kicks in between Tullow and Mullingar. Tullow were on the right side of that that day, but then a couple of years later, 
Mullingar, the last, that's actually the last time we played uh, Mullingar. They beat us in a, in a Paul Flood final in Greystones in a close battle. So no matter, I know we're, we might be a division ahead of them, but it's a cup game. Anyone can win on the day and we've had some close close, close calls with them in years gone by. So, you know, they, they play some good rugby. Hopefully we can, you know, get, get a good start tomorrow. Kind of slow their game down and then, you know, we can do what we need to do, get the ball moving. So, fingers crossed on anyway. And we're coming up to the business end of the season in a, in a lot of different uh, respects. We were just talking to Alice McGarry about the uh, Kilkenny hockey team. They have three finals tomorrow. Of course, in local soccer, there's a lot of finals going on. We have a Towns Cup in Kilkenny to look forward to, that final there. How different is Cup to League? And is that something that you're going to be reminding your players before they go out into the pitch? Absolutely. Like um, To be fair... League, league, and uh, and cup in Tullow Rugby Club, regardless of women and men, it's a uh, it's a huge cup. There's, you get lads, you get lads and ladies coming out of the woodwork for cup. So you do. It's a, it's a different animal. Everyone kind of gets geared up for cup, and everyone knows. We just saying last night, like, training like it's it's the end of the season for you lose tomorrow. It's no, oh, we'll get them on the return leg at home in Tullow. It's not like a league. You, know, you only get you only get one shot to be the team in the cup. Huge and like was just mentioned last night, how this group of players might never might never be together because it's the end of our season if we lose tomorrow. You know, and you might people come and go different walks of life. People go travelling, things like that, and especially in the last couple of years, nothing from us. So we just we're looking forward to hopefully having a reason to get back training on Wednesday night, not taking anyone for granted tomorrow. So would one of your biggest jobs then be kind of settling nerves before tomorrow's game or are you noticing that there's uh, uh, tranquility within it, in the squad? Oh, to be honest, like, uh, last week you know, we were a little bit worried training on Friday night last week <laughs> wasn't didn't go to plan as such um, but last night now everyone seemed to be singing off the same hymn sheet, uh, the same hymn sheet. and we just uh, it's, I suppose it's, it's different Easier be the hunter rather than the hunted. Yeah, you know, like in games gone by, we've been maybe not. Uh, I suppose we are favourites to a certain extent just because we're a division ahead of them. But like we've always, especially with Hull in the cup, you never want to get too ahead of yourself. You always have to, you know, it's 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 a lot easier kind of coming into a game when you're the. The team that no one expects. There's a lot of pressure on us tomorrow. Like to be fair, Mullingar can like all. They're not under a whole lot of pressure. They're at home. They'll have their they'll have their home crowd behind them. They're not that they're not expecting anything, but like they're thinking we're going to rock up to them, kind of smelling their own roses. You know, they'll 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 think they're all the pressures on us, and a lot of it is on us. To be fair, we have to come and perform. But I suppose it's just. Everyone wants to get their first involvement in the game, whether it be their first carry or their first tackle or whatever it is, the first kick, whatever it may be. It's just a thing that it'll settle the nerves down a small bit. And it's just getting people in the right positions and stuff as well. Like, you know, it's, it's just it's cup games, people, butterflies get going. I know myself from playing, it's, you kind of trying to impose yourself into the game more so than anything and you kind of tend to get yourself so worked up over. But if we can just get girls settle down early in the warm-up tomorrow and just realise the task at hand. We should go well, hopefully. Do you think the pressure comes from the the history of the name Tolo Rugby Club? 
will, to, to be fair, the women have been very successful in the last few years. Yeah. Like, like you know, they've they've had off the top of my head, they've been in, they've won two Paul Flood Cups, they lost the semi-final, a memorable game for anyone that was at it to St. Mary's an extra time a couple of years ago who were, who were a Division 1 team. The women team got to an AIL Cup semi-final a few years ago, beaten by a very, very strong uh, UL team at the time who lost, came second in the AIL League. Like, we've, the women's team have probably been the most successful team in Fuller Rugby Club for a long time and they're kind of getting used to this time of the year being at the business end of the season with cup finals and stuff like that. Like, they were a very unlucky couple of seasons ago to not end up being AIL. Uh, they lost to Setonians in extra time in the Division 1 final and uh, Setonians then went on and I think it was Malone convincingly in the playoff to get promoted to AIL. So like it's the, the women have been flying for the rugby club for a long time in regards to trophies and uh, fundraising and everything in the club. They're a very, very good bunch of, bunch of women so there. And uh, it was a great result against Barnhall as well. Uh, just going back to the quarter final, but the, yeah. was there something that you you looked at from because the, there was nineteen points conceded as well? Is is defence something that you've been keen to improve on coming up to the semi final? Absolutely. We, 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 earlier on in the season, we had Barnhall. I think we were twenty eight nil up, and everyone thought the game was done and dusted. And I think they got three tries near enough into the game. They scored early on us last weekend. Uh, we, we we do have a slight tendency to kind of switch off sometimes. People think the game is gone or whatever, and the game is won because we there's no problem scoring points at the moment, from what it seems like. But we do have a slight tendency to kind of leak a few tries. So hopefully now, if we can just get a bit just get a bit tighter and stuff, and get off the line tomorrow and make our hits, that's hopefully now we plan the work on defence just line speed and things like that for the weekend so hopefully we can implement that and move forward and hopefully can see no points at all tomorrow that's the target but not no one's ever perfect so we'll see what happens from there yeah it's going to be a special game no doubt do you have a fully fit squad to pick from? Um, as it started yes a couple of girls with knocks and things like that just see how they get through the warm up and stuff Um hopefully now we've we've everyone tomorrow and everyone took part in training last night a couple of girls just back and a couple, as I said earlier a couple of girls carrying knocks so we'll see how the warm-up goes tomorrow I know one of them uh, hurt her back this morning putting on a pair of socks which is never a good sign in a contact <laughs> sport so uh, we'll see how that goes tomorrow <laughs> And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask someone from Tullio Rugby Club about the announcement that came out yesterday. Sean O'Brien announcing his decision to retire from rugby at the end of the season. I, I don't know if it's a big shock or anything like that, but at the same time, when you look back on a tremendous career, just what a man he turned out to be for Leinster, for Ireland, for the, the Lions, it's just, and for Tullio as well. Yeah, Sean, to be fair to him, I, my memories of Sean are more so well, obviously playing for Ireland and everything but I remember my brother was on the same underage team as Sean and my dad coached him and I just remember looking at Sean growing up and this guy's unbelievable it was just get him the ball kind of a thing back then when he was underage with Hullo it was, it was he was a sensational talent back then and obviously you can have all the talents and want and everything in your in your uh 
career growing up or whatever, but Sean really had that extra gear to take it on a level and just kind of anyone that doubted him at any turn, whether like, some people may have thought he was too short to make it into the back row or whatever, and he was just amazing. So he was such a good ball carrier, such a good lad as well, to be fair. Like he's he's given back his time and everything to the club. Like you wouldn't believe that any tiny chance he gets, he's at home, whether he's helping out with the women with the senior men's team with the underage teams he's been really has been an inspiration to everyone in the club and around the town really to be fair I was just going to say now that he's retired you'll probably expect to see him a bit on the sideline if he doesn't go over to Australia that is of course uh, to get in some uh, AFL action there with his wife obviously playing in that but from one O'Brien to another O'Brien Dan O'Brien named on the Leinster squad uh, for the Women's Interprovincial Series there recently just another tremendous success story from Tolo as well would you be obviously keeping an eye on how Dana has been progressing over the past while? Yeah she's She's a fantastic talent. So she's she's uh, she's one one of these kids that are, uh, can put her hand to anything. She's a fantastic footballer as well. So she is, and I'd say if she picked up a skateboard, she'd probably be good at it. <laughs> um, she uh, she's she's starting twelve for us tomorrow. So she's uh, she's been very very good. Anytime she's been available to us, she's. Uh, I remember seeing her brother playing underage rugby, who's fairly tidy himself. She used to go training and practice her kicking as a child, and she was even at that, even at such a young age, she was a bit of a head of her time in regards to kicking. In regards to lads, never mind, uh, never mind, like the, the level she was at, and she's just she's such a good, she's such a good attitude, such a good head in her shoulders. For such a young girl, she really has, uh, you know, taken a step forward and really pressing as everyone would hoped when we seen her with such potential as a child and. Julie is making a for herself. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous to see as, you know, as Sean is taking a step away and then seeing Dana kind of stepping in to the role. Just before we let you go, uh, Paul, we heard recently Tullo are seeking a head coach for the upcoming season. I don't know how involved you are in behind the scenes uh, things for that, but would you know of any headway been made, many applications gone through? Um, I'm actually... I- Play on the men's team as, as well, so it's uh, no. As far as I know, there's been a, few, a bit of interest. All right, we've we're kind of um, Morris Log that was with us before has given us so much time himself. He uh, we decided to have a big stab at the at the place, and lads were calling his retirement tour. And hopefully, we're semi final now. Hopefully next week. Um, so hopefully there's a couple more stops before we give Morris a proper send off. But no, there's been a couple of a good bit of interest as far as I'm aware. I've no interest myself in the actual in the actual selection process. That was my that next question, all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a couple of names mentioned around all right, but uh cards to the chest at the moment in regards to that anything as far as I know, there's nothing set in stone yet, but it's a good bit of interest, hopefully anyway. Well, if Sean O'Brien is going to step into that role or anything like that, I hope you'll give us an exclusive here at KCLR. <laughs> Five. We're apparently well at the moment. We're more worried about Sean taking the role of playing with us. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul, honestly, best luck to honestly best luck tomorrow against Mullingar. Paul Flood Cup semi final. Uh, we suppose Tuller Rugby are always great on Twitter as well to follow along. If you can't get up, we'll obviously give updates out throughout the day. But we wish you nothing but the best and safe travels as well up to Mullingar. Thank you very much. Thank you.
We also had Terence Kelly on to preview Carlo's chances in this year's Joe McDonough. Yeah, we're playing playing in Avon next Saturday at two o'clock, playing Mead, and we also played them there like uh, you know about a month ago. And yeah. Carlo uh, had a victory that day, two twenty-one to one twenty-one, but it wasn't an over impressive victory. Like you know, they were relying on two players, Marty Cabinet to score fifteen points, uh, three from play and twelve from freeze, and Chris Nolan got two goals. So you know, as I said, that uh, they have a lot of youngsters playing, but you know, on the day Brian Tracy made two magnificent saves, also to save our bacon. So. You know, it's it's a potential banana skin, but listen, with the right attitude and with Paul Dyer was missing the last day also, and he would be a big loss, you know. But, uh, no, but young young Niall Bulger stepped into his boots and did very, very well as a youngster, come up the field and scored his point also. But, you know, as I said, that it would be a disaster like, if Carlo were to be beat by Mead next Saturday, you know, but hopefully like, it won't happen. Yeah, you sound a bit kind of tentative uh, to say, like, you're maybe well, not pin pin. Like, you know, like you know, as I said, that me the last day, you know, they played very, very well. They have a half back line there of James Kelly, Shane Whitty, and Michael Burke, and they scored five points on play. Now we have and they have young two young Pattersons in the middle of the field, two first cousins, Patrick and Nicholas Patterson. Patrick Patterson, his father played for Leinster there for three years. Pat Patterson, and uh, no, listen, they have a fairly decent, they have a fairly decent outfit. You know, they only had one win in the league, but nevertheless, you know, they're not too bad. Is there much excitement coming from the camp? Have you heard like anything in the camp to well, say that you're go- there's a bit of excitement coming into the season? Well, listen, you know, should after blood, you know, a good few young players, you know, Niall Bulger now and in the middle of the field, we have Conor Cahorn, Fee, Chris Patrick, you know, those two kids are, you know, well, they're here with us now since beginning of the league and young John Dial. And have a few more chaps, young Fee, O'Toole and Dean Tobe and then, they have a few, you know, they have, like they had, you know, well, they had to break in, you know, like a few young chaps, you know, some of the older boys, you know, have passed through and, you know, they're kind of rebuilding and such. But, you know, like, you know, when the lads are putting a good shift, uh, Shane, they're, you know, they're doing fairly well, like, you know. How tough then is it going to be to replicate that kind of performance against Mead? I know you were saying it wasn't great, but two goals coming away in any game is is a nice scorer as well. Um, but yeah, well, is, is it going to be tough? Yeah, it is a tough place to go. Me didn't have a lot of luck the last day. Yeah. It was one of those days, like, you know, because I was at all, all of the Carlo games now. And, uh, you know, it's one of those days like that, you know, me played very well. And, uh, like, the free-taking ability of Marty and his three from play and Chris Nolan, you know, popped up with two super goals. And, you know, as I said, like, Brian Tracy really helped him out two at the back. Like, but, you know, it's one of those days that maybe they took it for granted. Like, Mead's record in the league was poor. Maybe they took it, you know, just go up and, you know, play your game and come home with a victory. But it wasn't as easy, you know, as it sounded, you know. Yeah. Um, what are the realistic prospects, in your opinion, of Carlo winning the John McDonough? They play Mead in the, in the first game and they play Kerry in the second game. Now, Kerry beat him by seven points in the league already. Yeah. You know, now, in fact, now, Mead, Mead depend a lot on their half hour and have a, have a, a centre forward, Jack Regan, very athletic player, very, very good free taker. So they have, like, you know, and uh, most things are kind of built around him, like, and their manager, their manager there, Nick Weir, you know, everything seems to go through, go through their centre forward, like, you know. Mead would be kind of confident, but I would think that maybe Carlo were a little bit, you know, lax about the game the last day, and hopefully, you know, that they have learned that they were probably maybe looking to come out now, and, and hopefully, you know, like, they'll be fully prepared for the next day. But that's a massive game. And the following, the following week then, they play Kerry. Now, Kerry are finished 
third in their group. They've they had three wins, and like the and um, they have a few very very decent players. Shane Conway, he's a key player for the UCC in the Fitzgibbon Cup there for the last number of years, like you know. And they've been runners up in the Joe McDonough in twenty and twenty one. And the Watford manager there, Stephen Malumphy, you know, he has big ambitions for this team. Like, you know, after all, this Kerry team beat Tipper Harry in the equivalent of the Kehoe Cup in Munster this year. They beat him by three points. So that's a bit of an eye-opener. You know, well, that was a massive score. That was a massive score in the GA world. Certainly. How important is it for Tom Lally now to get a good run going in the Joe McDonough Cup, considering it is his second campaign? If they could win their first two games... Yeah. If they, like and it's, it's it's you know it's like they have to win them, and then they're after Antrim. Now Antrim, I know they finished in the bottom of Division One B with no win, but when you think of it, you know it gave Kenny a massive game above like Inca Kenny, so they did. Yeah. And uh, the beat after in the relegation playoff also, but uh, it's hugely important. Like you know, well the first two games are massive. As I said, if you're after being beaten in the first two games. But the thought of going to Antrim seems an awful long ways away, you know. And Mac, our, um, Antrim now have Neil McManus there. He's around for a long time. He's a very, very good free taker, and uh, most things are built around Neil McManus, like you know. But it's it you know it's 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 a huge competition for Carlo, like you know, the, like you know the the Joe Mac. But as I said, Mead and Kerry are two massive games early on, and if they can win those, you go to Antrim like with their tails up. You're at home then to Down, who finished top of the group in the league with four wins. And uh, a little bit of controversy over the last day up and down. But listen, Carlo is after having after losing a few players to, you know, being indisciplined. And I've no doubt if they can finish other games with fifteen players, there's no reason, you know, like like why they can't win most of them. And uh, if they get if they have good results coming aside that they have off the away in the last game and obviously now have no win in Division 1 and they lost the relegation playoff also to Antrim and they're kind of you know they're kind of looking towards Owen Cal and Jason Sampson like you know as their as their main players and of course Michael Fenley is on the line with us and uh, he won't like to see a Carlo team run up and beat Nafley but listen that's the name of the game isn't it You mentioned Down there the Miners had a great win against Down yesterday how impressive have you that's been right, with Alan yeah. Roach's men? That's right yeah yeah and, uh, um, yeah, I heard the report on that there now yesterday. I'm like, you know, yeah, he was impressive. Like, you know, the lighter firm, you know, because, you know, it's the chaps there at the beginning of the men. Like, you know, you have, you have to start with the chaps. And, uh, like, we have a small pool of players in Carlo, and we have to go with what we have, like, you know. And, uh, you know, it's impressive now to see, you know, like a few young lads coming in this year and, uh, you know, try to carry the try to carry the flag for us. And, you know, the chaps are doing well, uh, Shane, you know. It's, it's, it's not easy out there at the present time. Certainly is not. Well, Terence, are you going to be back in the commentary booth now, coming up to all these games? Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, hopefully, absolutely. No, listen, it's great. Like, you know, you get to different parts of the country and you meet so many people through the GA. No, listen, I've been there for 17 years and uh, there's no point in giving up now. <laughs> and you, you can tell you're loving it anyway as well. Uh, I love it. I, I love it, Shane. Like, you know, you meet so many great people. Like, and KCLR has been very good to us also. So, you know, I know I really do like it. Like, you know, it's just, Kind of part of my life now, that's it. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing you on the airwaves covering some maybe Carlo Classics games uh, that we have coming up soon. That'll be great, Shane. That'll be great, yeah. Hopefully so, hopefully so, yeah. KCLR commentator Willie Quinlan also joined Shane on Scoreline to talk about Carlo's upcoming football season. Mm-hmm. 
on air anyway and having a chat with us. It seems like a while that uh, you've been kind of in the commentary booth having a, a chat about Carlo football. Yeah, it, it seems like a while, I suppose. The four leagues that, that we went through, um, which I'd have to say, uh, there's an awful lot of players after dropping off. I mean, you're looking at the likes of Brendan Murphy, Sean Murphy, Sean Cannon, uh, Conor Lawler, Paul Broderick, Shane Redmond, and, you know, Dennis and Ledger, just to come just to speak of a few. and. They're, they're not easy to replace. We have a very young team coming up. Uh, looks like looks like we're going to beat London in, the, in our first game. We're ten points up. Had a man sent off. Ended up losing. And it seemed to crumble from there. We ended up. I think we're, we're uh, Division Four. I think we're second from the bottom. Maybe Waterford is the only team under us. So we're going to have a, a an uphill battle. We're playing loud in two weeks' time. They're on an upward curve. They're went from Division Four to Three, and they've been promoted to Division Two this year. And Mickey Hart big influence there and I suppose you know it is going to be very tough you know. you're mentioning the league campaign there the victory against Waterford it seems it was quite positive after and all the talk after it was quite positive but some of the games then after that probably wasn't much room for positivity despite breeding in and blooding in new young players will the players now coming into this championship campaign and Niall Carew has consistently said championship is everything for him will they be suffering from a bit of lack of confidence com- coming into it considering their worrying league campaign yeah possibly will I mean uh, success breeds success and winning you know it's a habit and also losing is a habit and nice to get into that, that winning habit in the league that you can, you know, build your blocks from there, and we just didn't seem to seem to be able to play for seventy minutes in any of the games. I mean, we were well up. Looked like we were going to beat uh, Wexford in our last game. Ended up could have, could have, should have won. We could have lost and ended up drawn. Um, Tipperary, much the same. We allowed teams dominate us in the early twenty minutes and then get back into the game. We're nine points to six to half time. Gave away a goal straight away after half time and just seemed to struggle. To get back into it, and that seemed to be the pattern. Our last 15 minutes in the game, we seem to run out of steam. We don't have that strength and conditioning that we did have for, say, for the last 10 years. A couple of years ago, we were going to Tullamore and we ended up beating Kildare. It was a fantastic win down there. And But the players that we've lost since are very, very hard to replace. And it, it, does, it does take a lot of patience and a lot of time with a team that are rebuilding. And uh, when you do lose the calibre of those players, Younger players coming in takes them probably a couple of years. I mean, to to bed in with a senior team and playing at a different level, albeit Division Four, it's still a different level. Inter County is a different level than club. Uh, lots of our guys that are in there at the moment are actually playing intermediate football for their clubs. So it's just going to take time, and he's going to have to be patient. And uh, we could have got worse draws. We could have got Dublin. We could have got Kildare. We could have got me. Uh, we 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 end up we did do have loads. They are on an upward spiral, but it's not the end of the world. And he just has to go there, you know, try not to give away scores early, not to concede goals. And maybe not, not, we don't like, we were at games over the last couple of years where Turlo was involved and he was totally defensive. It's trying to get in between where you are defensive enough not to give away goals, but you have to have a goal, uh, you know, a threat at the other end. And that's a difficult one to call at the moment. Is there an understanding then amongst the fans? Because you know you would be a fan yourself. Is there an understanding amongst the fans that it is a, a new era and it is a new dawn, and it, these results 
are inevitable because of this transition period because it's all well and good when we hear said likes of Niall Carew talking about and Niall's a gentleman but he would often say it's a transition period is that sentiment shared amongst the stands? Well definitely anyone that's that's watching Carlo football over the last number of years will will know the caliber players that we have lost and the, the players that are in. And it just doesn't happen over overnight. It, it definitely doesn't. It takes it takes a couple of years to, to bed in, to get a new team together, to get them even playing in a system that that, that you know that they're happy with that suits the team. Where um, physically we're just not the biggest of teams at the minute. All those guys that I've named were big, strong, physical men, but very mobile, could move, could play football, could could defend, were strong in the air. We don't have that type of player at, you know, at the minute. So it's to create a game that suits the players that we have. And that, that, that doesn't happen overnight. That's going to take a while. And um, I think in the stands, people do realise, talking to lots of people after games and before games, they, they do realise that there is a transition and it doesn't happen overnight. And, um, you know, it is going to take time. That's, you just have to be patient with the team. Yeah, this will be the third championship campaign now with Niall in charge. I don't believe there's been a victory yet. So would you say he really needs to win this one against Loud? Because Loud's are, Loud are coming in off a really great league campaign themselves. So it's going to be a very tough challenge. Yeah, I think myself it's going to be a really tough challenge. You know, Loud, as I say, are, on the, are definitely on the up. They've had success in Division 4, went up to 3, and now they're going up to 2. And um, Whereas we're, we seem to be going the other way. We're, we're gone from you know, competing in Division 4, almost getting out with there. We did get over a couple of years going back into it. But, you know, we've been beaten this year by, by London, by Tipperary, uh, by Cavan, uh, Leitrim. So we're really, at, I suppose, starting really from the bottom again and Loud are, are touching to get to the top of Division 2 uh, next year and that'll be their ambition. So it, it, it's very difficult. The, the, the league tables don't lie. They're in Division 2, we're in Division 4, and uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult match uh, for Carlo in two weeks' time. And uh, how do you reckon the under-20s are going to be doing? Because they've uh, recently captured the Andrew Corden Cup. We were chatting to Morris Brown there, and it was up for contention, Offaly or allowed. We know now it's going to be Offaly that they're going up against. But coming off the Andrew Corden Cup and that great positive energy that that created, how do you reckon they'll do against Offaly? Yeah, I've been, I've been watching the under twenties. That have a guy involved in their own, and it's involved the first, first year involved. He's still on the eighteen, but um, they've they've really, bar one game that I've been at, they've, they've really been you know shown a lot of positives. They've got some very very good scores. They beat Wexford, beat Tipperary, they beat Wadford, beat Wexford again in the in the final of the Andrew Card Cup. They're after playing um, a couple of practice matches. The one game that I looked at and, and I thought. You know, are we off the mark, or was it just a bad day? And that was against Limerick, for at least two weeks ago, where Limerick just seemed to dominate us all over the field. But they looked so big, so physical, really, really strong. A lot of those guys looked like they could step up and play senior football in the morning if they wanted. Where we were a slightly smaller team, but other than the Limerick game, it has been very, very positive. We've got some very, very good scores. We played Watford in the practice match there last weekend, and I think we got something like four, four eighteen, maybe one seven was very, very positive. The week before that we played at Palantine Seniors ended up just losing by two or three points and that was very positive as well. So for this bunch of guys, it has been a positive year. They have a little bit of silverware 
having said that, we're going in against the All-Ireland champions, Offaly, and Offaly, I believe, have 12 of last year's panels who beat, beat Loud last weekend. They, they won by four. I think it ended up 3-7 to 13 points. Uh, so that's not going to be easy, and that's a, that's above next Thursday evening above in, in Fulhamore. So difficult game for them as well, but underage, any, anything can happen. You know, on the night, whoever, you know, makes the, the least mistakes or a team can step up and maybe kick two or three early goals and get on top of the team and, and you know, it depends on the night. But again, it's going to be difficult to offer the All-Ireland champions and they'll be looking to retain their title. But first of all, I suppose, retain Leinster and then push on to an All-Ireland. So that's not easy for our 20s either. Uh, speaking of Offaly, uh, they've been in the news recently and in particular in relation to some of the under-14 lads being dropped off the panel because they were not at a training session and they weren't at the training session because they were participating in another sport. Did you hear much about this during the week? Just uh, like yourself and what I've seen on social media, um, I think if it is happened, I think it's absolutely crazy to decide an under-14 should be dropped off the county football panel just because he plays another sport I thought we were going away from that 100 years ago obviously some counties are not I know I know in Carlow we're such a small county we, we can't really afford to do that guys can guys play soccer play rugby and come back you, you can't say right that's it you're, you're off the county panel because Carlow's just a small county that you need everybody you know, playing at their best and playing for each other That I think it'd be absolutely ridiculous because your worst under under fourteen could be your your best senior player in a couple of years' time. So, I wouldn't be wouldn't be my idea of, of uh, you know being very good for for a county or for for a chap to be dropped dropped off a county panel if he was playing a different sport. I, I certainly wouldn't be in favour of it anyway, Shane. Yeah, well, thanks very much, Willie, for taking the time and having a chat with us anyway about all things Carlo football. We're looking forward to loud. Will you be in the commentary booth for that one? I surely will, myself and Brendan. Hopefully, we'll be we'll be shouting Carlo home like like we did Kildare at Fulhamore a couple of years ago. Well, speaking of that Kildare a couple of years ago, I'll play this out before I say goodbye. You can have a little listen. And there's a hand in there from the Kildare man, but it's gone to John Murphy. Look who's coming forward, Horse Lawler. He can wrap it up until the more Horse goes for the shot. It's a ah yeah, I love I love. I love local uh, radio because it's the most biased thing when it comes to <laughs> inter-county games. You can imagine. I think, I think looking back at it, I think it was 1955 since we beat Kildare in the championship prior to that. So uh, I think it was all the emotions over the last 30 or 40 years built up and we just let it go as soon as the final whistle went then we, we got a little bit excited but uh, really enjoyed it anyway. It went viral and everything I believe. <laughs> Surely did. <laughs> Brendan, the, the whole day we're, we're talking about the commentary rather than the match, but you, you get that as you say, it's local radio, very exciting, and you have to be a bit poised here on team. I love it, Willie. Thanks very much. Looking forward to hearing you. Maybe replicating something like that against Loud. Hopefully, thanks, Jeff. Pat O'Flynn was also on to tell us about an upcoming GAA event featuring John Milan.
Welcome back to Scoreline with myself, Shane O'Keefe. I'm now joined as well by Sinead Kyo, because she, when she heard what I'll be talking about next, she says she'll have a few questions herself. I am talking to the great man that is Paddo Flynn, and you have something very exciting coming up, Paddo. How are you doing, sir? Not too bad, Shane. And yourself? How, how, how are you keeping yourself? I'm trying to be good. You know yourself. It, it's hard, but I'm trying to be good. It's kind, of, it's kind of one of those strange weekends in the calendar of sports, so it is. It's the calm before the storm of Championship 2022, so it is. I know, and I have no live games to talk about, so I have to talk for the next three hours now. I'm absolutely gutted, but I'm delighted to be talking to you anyway, all the same. Good, 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 good. Well, well Shane, uh, so uh, what we're doing actually out in St. Martin's Muckley GA Club uh, next Friday night uh, in the Cave Bar, our, our, our local uh, pub, is we're having a Championship preview night. Uh, and on the night we, we have we've three guests so we do at the moment lined up there will be a fourth one uh, uh, announced uh, very late on in the week but uh, the first man up on the night is going to be John Milan who's a, a former inter-county order I think you know him as well Shane he loves his uh, county he does doesn't he he does he loves his county so he does uh, John, John, John in fairness has been up to the club a good few times a, a real character and you, you just can't beat meeting this man in person he does be uh, he does be great crack and uh, he always leaves the cro- crowd enthralled and uh, especially with Watford probably seen as the, the closest team to Limerick at the moment uh, I'm sure his views in the night will be will be quite welcome and then the second man up in the night is a man by the name of Brian Murphy who hurled a uh, cornerback for the Cork footballers Oh, sorry, he played football for the Cork footballers, cornerback. Hur- hur- wait, no, we'll go back. You said he hurled cornerback for the footballers. I know, I know, I know. Well, he, 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 he's a dual star, so he is, Jeff. <laughs> he has all stars in hurling and football and All-Ireland. And he won club All-Ireland football titles with Nemo Rangers. It's uh, Brian Murphy... Uh, from Cork, uh, he, he's relocated to Kilkenny for the last number of years. He served the, the area well as a guard in Kilkenny Garda Station, but uh, he's uh, he still keeps that Cork twang whenever we start talking about Rebel Hurling. Hur- so uh, he's the second guest on the night, and then the third guest, which I'm delighted to announce here today, is uh, is our own local legend. Uh, he's a bit of a speedster, uh, Eamon Yami Morrissey. Uh, for for your younger listeners here. Uh, Yami would have won a club all Ireland with St. Martins in 85. He's an all-star. I think it's either 91 or 92. I could be mistaken with the year. And he's also won uh, two all Ireland medals in 92-93. Uh, he's uh, very fond of getting goals and speeding towards goal. I was part of that uh, infamous full forward line, including DJ Carey. So it's great fun on the night, Shane. Uh, it's all part of our inter-county bounty setup, where you buy a card and you predict the results of the championship in Munster and Leinster for 2022 and it costs only a tenner and first prize is a thousand quid so it's it's just it's really brilliant to get it back going Shane we did it for a number of years before the lockdown unfortunately with COVID-19 things like going to the pub or having a social night out were, were actually gone and it's, it's great to actually to be able to go to a local business like the cave bar uh, you know you know, and trying times for pubs in the last number of years, and it's, it's always great. These are, are nights where young and old alike come together, and uh, the, the last guest we'll announce later on in the week uh, is always full of banter, so he is. Inter county bounty, I love it. Uh, Paddle, how are you going? This is uh, Sinead Kyo here. I'm here with Shane today. How are you getting on? Uh, not, not too bad. I've got to say, Shane's voice is uh, <laughs> very, very. <laughs> Bit of a extra twang in there, Ollie. Yeah. I was like, oh God, here, here comes. 
I did not rob those strawberries and cream. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned St. Martin's there. We have uh, Robbie Dowling, obviously, is a St. Martin's man as well. Are you going to bring him on on the night as well? He's more than welcome on the night side. So Robbie, Robbie is a uh, uh, Robbie. Robbie would be a good guy there, so he would. Uh, <laughs> so he would. Uh, Robbie, Robbie, over the years, I'd, I'd actually forgotten. Uh, would he not be half an O'Loughlin man as well? Would he? Would he not, Sinead? I don't believe so. No, he's just he's a he's an angry young man. He's our producer here on Saturday. He's a man with many many opinions, and I think if you put him up against John Milan, you'll get a good. It might go viral. That's how that's how angry he is. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, guys. We're we're actually stuck for an MC at the moment. John Milan <laughs> would normally do the MC, so he would. And Robbie would be more than welcome to come out and do the MC. Oh, there, John there you go now. Going off in his. Uh, John Mahal is currently off on his honeymoon uh, at some stage I believe on Thursday with his lovely wife Eileen Fitzgerald uh, we'll say it to Robbie he's going to kill us now but uh, <laughs> we'll say it to Robbie anyway so when's all this going ahead once again championship preview it's going on next Friday night good Friday is going to be great Friday out in the KFR at 9 o'clock so it is it'll probably be about 20 past or half past 9 before that actually starts as uh, the, the guys are actually playing the senior football championship earlier on the night up in open Muckley pitch against Mooncoyne so all welcome uh, in fairness over the years the likes of Conaghy and Aaron's own and uh, St. Patrick's of Ballyragget would all come in and, and uh, support the cause so all welcome it's only a tenor entry on the night and it's, it's, it's for a great cause it's for St. Martin's GA Club and Muckley Football Club if anyone's up there an awful lot of the community now um, Shane use the facilities um around the place we have a lovely walking track up there and we've two fine pitches and we've over 200 juvenile members and where we have I think it's uh, at the last time I checked we have 69 adult members as well so it's 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 uh, and then a 500 people general membership as well so it really is the heart heartthrob of the community so it is Former Kilkenny goalkeeper Michael Walsh also joined us on Scoreline to talk about the All-Ireland Hurling Championship. Kilkenny's first two games are Westmeath and Leash. How important is it to have no dramas in our game and pick up points and go top of the table? Yeah, that's that, you've just summed it up there. It's just, you know, that... There definitely should be two wins, but you can. It's easy for me to say that. You know, the players and management have to prepare as if they're playing the best teams in it, and I'm sure they will. I'm sure you know they'll they'll work hard. They'll go away. They know, you know, it's vital to get the two wins uh, to have a chance of progressing, and uh, I'm sure they will. And uh, you know, there, as we've seen, there's been improvements from day to day, from week to week. So hopefully that'll continue now into the championship. And with the greatest respects to both of those sides, how crucial is it that Kilkenny try and get a high scoring difference? Because we know in 2019, Galway, they were knocked out due to scoring difference and a lot of people pointed to the fact that they didn't put Carlo to the sword, whereas other teams did that year. Yeah, and that was exactly what happened. Uh, they paid for that in the end, so absolutely important. Uh, you know, as I said, huge respect. I've been involved with both teams in the different capacities, so at least I'm with me at different times. So, look, as you have to give them absolutely savage respect, and they will. But, uh, they, you know, apart from winning games in the other the tough matches, putting up a big score in these matches is, is going to be absolutely very, very important, I would think, uh, come the, the latter end of it. Yeah, it certainly is. And coming up against those teams is is all well and good. And we've seen them kind of do well against some big teams, but they kind of wilted against Cork, didn't they? What did you make of the league campaign in general? Yeah, the, the league campaign was mixed. Um, it started off poorly, there's no doubt about that. The performance against Centrum, the first day was poor, and the second day, 
against uh, Leeds did one handily enough then the Thurlis match came and uh, or sorry I think that was second then yeah. that wasn't great either now uh, 17 leads yeah they, they, they found it very hard early in the league in the first few matches they had an awful amount of wides in all those matches actually but then uh, you know the Dublin match came and that was a huge shot in the arm for everybody I suppose like the this, the manner of the performance and you know the, the victory was great but it was the way they went about it I think that day you saw really well, I did anyway I saw signs that you know I said well, this, this can be very strong going into the, the championship and um, then came the Water match which again uh, was a very good victory now uh, you know Water obviously happened, were, were short a good bit as well but the way the Kenny went about it again was very impressive and they got the, they got the win and the semi-final against Cork and it was going so well for so long but the, the ball out at the end would be a bit of a concern but I'm sure that has been worked on and, and you know Traditionally, when when Kilkenny uh, would be very strong, would be the last ten fifteen minutes they weren't on that particular evening. But still, as I said, I'm sure in the meantime that has been worked on, and, and you know that can't happen because generally matches, you know, when you come to the later stages of the championship, they come down to that particular time. That's the that's the time you have to be in them, and that's the time you have to respond. And, and unfortunately, on that night, it didn't happen. I was listening to you on full time with Sinead Kyo there a few weeks ago ahead of the league final with uh, Cork and Waterford and you know you're yeah. right on the money when you highlighted uh, Bennett kind of introduction into the team that's going to be a big difference uh, considering Cork Beckel Kenny but do you think what would your prediction of Waterford winning been the same if Kilkenny was involved in that final? Um, I would have found it hard to go against them they were hugely yeah. impressive uh, Shane to be quite honest uh I would have found, felt that they could have won it anyway. I think uh, they were very, very impressive altogether against Wexford. And I know people were saying Wexford were this, that, and the other. It's, it's not really about that. It's about the way that they went about it on the day. It wasn't so much that Wexford were so bad and they were, I know, but Clark Watford were just so impressive the way their power and their pace. They could have actually won by a lot more. And I just felt that that goal scoring thing, which they really seemed to be into, was going to be a vital factor in the final. Um, would they have scored four goals against Kenny? I don't know. Obviously, no, I can't answer that. It, it didn't happen. But uh, I would have, I would have said that Watford would have been tough enough to crack it, no matter who they were playing in the final. And you mentioned Wexford there now. Uh, talk about kind of coming out of Leinster. Who do you see coming out of Leinster and why? Because, that, like, do you think Darry Egan or Henry Shefflin's inexperience at this level could maybe work in the favour of a Kilkenny or indeed Dublin? Yeah, look at it's down to four teams and. Uh, but you made a very good point in, earlier. Lots of things come into play here. Uh, Leeds who miss me may not win a game or they may, I don't know, but it's what you do against them can be as important as the head-to-head uh, yeah. as we go further into the championship. Um, at this moment in time, I think the Kenny Galway and Wexford will be the three to come out of Leinster, but uh, Dublin are knocking at the door and they'll be dangerous, particularly with the matches to happen. In Parnell Park, now funny enough, one of them is against Kenny and Kenny. Um, always has had a very good record there uh, in the last few years they haven't lost it so that, that's 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 good but um, uh, I think Kenny, the, the damage the water defeated to Exeter will be very interesting and they're playing Galway next week and that's a huge huge game if Galway go to Exeter Park and win that game that puts Exeter under serious pressure on the back of that league semi-final they're going in under a bit of pressure there so I'm just going to go for those three and I think, you know, it, it's it obviously there to be proved wrong but I think that the three teams that will come out will be the Kenny Galway and Wexford. And then kind of turning to Munster then, you're talking about three teams, it's probably Limerick, Cork and Waterford favourites to come out with there. A bit more competitive mm. maybe than Leinster. Uh, what, what do you reckon is going to happen there and what's happening with Tipperary? Yeah, 
Well, Tipperary are definitely in a, they have a new manager and there was always going to be a big change there and it was always going to be sticky as well because, look at Liam Sheedy was in the cold face, he saw training sessions, he knew, but I, in my in my opinion, I just felt that some of those younger fellas, you know, along with the, the, the more savvy says maybe one or two should have been interested. Now, they possibly weren't ready and he, he could see that, but it, it just is a year of transition definitely in that situation. That's not saying they won't come out with Munster and that match next Sunday is a huge banana skin for Waterford because Tipper going down there with absolutely nothing to lose and I, yeah. I, I forecast a really good game. But they just look to be in a bit of transition at the moment and they might find it difficult. The very interesting one for me is Limerick. They're obviously the favourites to win the All-Ireland and I would have said even a couple of weeks ago, look, whoever beats them will win it. But was there, were they just shadow boxing in all the league or are they gone back a small bit? Because it only takes a small bit, you know, and we're about to find that out next Sunday when they play Cork in what will be an absolutely massively important game. It's amazing that it's not knockout, but at the same time, the both teams will want to win that match so badly, you know, it gives them a great uh, platform. The home form is huge in these matches. The home form is absolutely, you have to win your home games. That's, that's, a, that's a given. And Cork have to have only one home game and then they have to go away for all the rest. So that's going to be interesting as well. I think Limerick and Watford definite. And I'd be a big fan of Cork up to last Saturday week. I was amazed at how, how poor their defence was in the league final. Yeah, but I, was, I still think it'll be if you're putting me to the sword now I think it'll be Limerick Cork and Watford Yeah I was going to ask you about that home advantage proving a bit crucial to some teams particularly if they're maybe slight underdogs in Munster and they need to have that extra edge Yeah yeah, it's huge it's absolutely huge like if you go to Cusick Park in Ennis that's an absolutely tight pitch and the crowd is right on top of you Welsh Park is the same and it does make a difference like it's, it's not like playing in Parky Creeve or Torres or Crow Park it's a massive massive difference Parnell Park is the very same in, in Leinster it's a very very tight pitch it's, it's it's a different ball game when you go into these pitches and you have the home crowd right down your throat it's, it's like if you, like the soccer matches if you like if you go to certain stadiums the atmosphere is going to be huge and it does it does count like if you're playing Watford in Welsh Park you're nearly three or four points behind the ball game before you start because of the, the, the atmosphere and the way the crowd will get behind them and it's, it's, they see Clare and I'm not sure how many home games Clare have they'll be very difficult to beat in Cusick Park very difficult Looking ahead then, who do you see yeah. winning the All-Ireland? How far is Kilkenny going to go? Is the groundswell of support for Waterford going to sustain itself throughout the Championship? Um, it will, I think. I think they'll go a long, long way, if not win it. Um, I'm still t- thinking Limerick. I just I just can't wait to see. I'd, let, I'd rather wait for another way. I just can't wait to see if what where Limerick are. I, I, just, I was a small bit alarmed by some of their performances in the league. Now, look, at they may have just thrown it there, and maybe they did, but we'll see you next week. I think Kenny will win Leinster, and I think that they'll be definitely in an all Ireland semi-final anyway. That's what we can bring that. And after that, it's a toss-up. Do they have enough to get over Cork, Limerick, Watford, who I think might be the other. But I think, you know, who could be a dark horse is Galway. There's not a word about him, and I think that's a good thing. Every other year, they're being written up and written this, that, and they are in a bit of transition. But I'd always have huge respect for Henry Shepherd. So look, I'm going to go for the last four of Kilkenny, Cork, or Kilkenny, Limerick, Watford, and Galway. Kilkenny, Limerick, Watford, and Galway. Yeah, I was just going to mention yep. Galway as well because every year before the championship, you mentioned yep. it, they get talked up, potential winners, and then yeah, underwhelmed. Uh, and I think I think that Galway will be happy with this. This is the first year, and I don't know how long they're, not, they're hardly even being spoken about, and they still have very good players. Now again they're in a small bit of, of change as well obviously they have new management and there'll be new players playing but they certainly have an amount of talent and I would not be writing them off in any shape way or form but again the first matches are so interesting they're going down to extra Park if they can go down there next Saturday 
and come away with a win, well then they're serious. And I think they'll be serious anyway. And I just, I just think that now there'll always be a shot or a surprise that bound to be with the with the round robin and the closest of the matches and injuries. There's always going to be that. But uh, I just, I just, I just think that you know there might be a kick in Galway as well. So I'm expecting two teams from Leinster and two teams from Munster to be in the All Ireland final. And just before I let you go, Miners had a good win there yesterday. A fellow Dixborough man, Tom McPhillips, captain in the side in the middle of the park. Were you watching it or what you make of it? No, I, I didn't see it. I uh, didn't see any of it yesterday. But thrilled for them. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, they, I saw their team on, on Thursday evening and I thought it was a very strong team of what I know of, of those young fellas. Obviously, three that, that we had with us in the Miners in Dixborough last year and uh, Evan Murphy. Mikey Steins and Tom and Tom is a captain and it's a great honour for him and the club but, uh, and his grandfather actually Kevin Dowling was captain of the Kenny Miners in 1953 so there's a there's a little uh, follow up there but no a great win anytime you go to Wexford and win it's, it's a brilliant achievement and uh, uh, great start for them and the very best of them going forward Yeah i seen that grandfather uh, tweet up on or great grandfather tweet or could have been his grandfather uh up on the Dixborough Twitter and I had a smile across my face yeah Kevin Dowland captain in Kilkenny Miners in 1953 it's just great to see yeah yeah powerful yeah great uh, Michael thanks very much for coming on air no doubt we'll be hearing you uh, you and Brendan commentating for throughout the championship and it looks like it's going to be a doozy yeah, look, it's great to look forward to it. It's coming up very quick. You'd be, you'd be kind of thinking across that to June, but now it's gone back to April and it'll be non-stop from next Saturday until whenever it finishes. So it's, it's brilliant to look forward to it and hopefully it'll be great. Yeah, it certainly will. Michael, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. No bother, Shane. Mike. That's all for another edition of Scoreline Extra. Don't forget, you can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from 2pm. We'll catch you then.